Welcome to the Better Brave Podcast, where you get to hear unique stories from guests like you who choose to live bravely outside of their comfort zones. I'm Candace Dudley, your host, former teacher turned online business mentor and podcaster. This podcast is for you if you're committed to living life on purpose, no more following the rules of society. Go hit the follow button if you haven't yet and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Welcome back to the show. I have a super special episode today. Two of my best friends and I got together in person to record the first ever three-person interview on this show. And we have all left our nine to five. I'm going to give you a little introduction and some background so that you have some context before you listen to our advice and what we talk about during this and our experience with leaving our nine to five, some of the struggles, some of the highlights, and some of the mindset work that goes into taking those leaps. Starting with my friend Brittany, she spent well over a decade in HR. She left that just shy of a year ago, and she now does a lot of freelancing, virtual assisting things, while also making time for those creative passions like watercolor painting and pottery that she never had time for before leaving her nine to five. Then we have my friend Andrea Hansen. She's been on the show before and she and I have chatted about lots of different topics, but never really about this. She has left her nine to five, which was over a decade worth of teaching. She left in 2016 and now runs four businesses. She has uh, a network marketing business, which was her first taste in entrepreneurship. She renovated and completely restored the upstairs of a downtown historic building and turned it into four apartments. So she manages those. She has her boutique, Vilio Style, in Red Wing, Minnesota, that is just thriving. And she also has her newest business, which is Ray Coaching, where she helps other women know when and how to take those big leaps and put those big, hairy, scary dreams into action. And then you have myself, most of you know probably already if you've listened, but if you're new here, I left my teaching career after 13 years in the classroom, and this is my second year out of the classroom, still navigating things and finding clarity. And I have spent those years in that transition doing lots of different things, heading in the direction of running my Willow and Run business, as well as my coaching business with the focus on helping women still be productive, still chase their dreams and reach big goals without the burnout. Buckle up because this episode is super fun and I hope that you can relate to a lot of the things that we're talking about. I actually know that you can. Okay, let's start with how long did you know that it was time to leave your nine to five before you actually left? I would say for me, it was it was a shortened time. I, I'm in the category of somebody who loved their nine to five, but a business opportunity dropped into my lap and I got obsessed with entrepreneurship and just decided to take a leap of faith. So mine was only probably six months time where I felt this nudge growing inside of me before I left. Brittany, how about you? That's a really hard question. Looking back, I'm going to say it was definitely years that I knew. The hardest part was I didn't know what what I needed to make room for. So I just stayed in the grind until finally doors started to open. I would say three years for me. I know it was three years because I would have on and off conversations with my spouse about, I think it's time to leave, but I was in network marketing at the time with you too, actually, and was thinking that if I just hustle, if I just grind, if I keep getting up at 4 a.m. and working this business, I would replace my teaching income and that's when I would get to leave. Well, it never really happened. And so then I had to kind of have a sort of come to Jesus and and think, okay, that's not happening. So what do I need to shift? And the conversation really shifted after COVID when 
we had a conversation that was more about not liking how fast life seemed to be going. Our kids were getting old fast. It seemed like they would all be gone and moved out in the blink of an eye. And so I had one year coming up where my youngest was just in preschool a couple hours for a few times a week. That was my chance that if I if we acted and I finally had the guts to leave the classroom, I would get that year with her. And so that's when it shifted. And I'm still out of the classroom and the conversation is still shifting, but I knew for a good three years because I knew when she was born. So that's kind of my mile marker. I will ask you, Brittany, why do you think that you didn't leave for so long? The comfort. And that was the feedback from any time it got brought up is that, but it is a good job and you're, and you're good at it. It just kept making you feel like you were slightly crazy because you wanted to leave the good job, the stable job, the job that you thought would have been ideal when you're in high school and I wanted to like climb the corporate ladder and all the things like that. But then just after years, it just really became such a challenge to get out of bed and go to work and just live this terrible (laughs) maintain. Yeah. It just like over and over and just not finding any joy and not finding any joy in it anymore. I think I was met with some of those same concerns when I would start to tell people or start to tell family. And I think everything was out of love. I don't doubt that, but it, it definitely was the same response of, but don't you like your job? But don't you like having your summers off? But this, but that, but that. And it's like, you know what? I've already thought of all these things. They've already crossed my mind. And what about your retirement? And what about this and that? You just know when you know, and I think you have to allow yourself the chance Andrea always says this, I'll give her the mic next, but you only get one life and you have to allow yourself the chance to act on your knowing, your deep in your gut soul, knowing that there's something else that's next. For me, I think I stayed for a long time because I would get met with those comments and I'd be like, you know, the firstborn that wants to people please everybody would come back in and be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I That's silly. Yep. I, yeah, I'm not doing it. But then when it nags on you so long, you can only ignore it for so long. And I think kids come into play and in, in having your own kids really change things a lot because I'd have flash forward moments in my head where I'd see myself giving them a pep talk or telling my daughters they could do something and knowing that I wasn't acting on it because I was still trying to please everyone around me and not worrying about pleasing myself. And it, you know, it led to a lot of burnout and anxiety and things like that. Andrea, I know you loved your nine to five. And so it was a little different for you, but what kind of comments, because I know you're still met with a lot of comments, what kind of comments did you receive when people started finding out that Andrea, this beloved teacher, going to get sainthood, is now leaving the classroom? I got a lot of comments. I got comments from my closest friend who said I was wasting my talent by choosing to leave education. That one stung a lot. I got comments from parents of students that were like, well, I need you to have my younger kids that are coming through. Like, you can't, you can't do this. <laughs> Which looking back is so laughable because this is my life. <laughs> I can only get one of them. <laughs> I had such like a short time where I was weighing the back and the forth of do I do this or not? But it just came down to for me personally, and I know you, Candace, like, I could literally get hired anywhere. And like there's no thought that if I left the classroom that I would never get my job back as a backup. So in the beginning that helped make that leap so much easier for me. I knew that they were short teachers even back then and it's even far worse now, which is sad. So I don't want anyone listening to this 
thinking like, oh, well, everyone should just leave their nine to five. There is just a certain called group. And you know who you are if you're listening to this. There's this nudge in your soul that says, I am not made for this. I am made for something else. And it's okay if you don't even know what that is. Just get as much quiet time as possible with yourself and lean in and try to listen for a direction. So we all leave our nine to fives and we're not here, like Andrew said, to tell everybody to leave theirs, but you know if you know and you need to pause and see if that's right for you. We're also not here to say that it's glamorous all the time. I want us to kind of share next some of the things that that transition, especially those first year or two, I feel like I'm still in the transition being on my second year out of the classroom. Brittany, you're even further into the transition piece. What was that like? What did you experience? What are you experiencing? Well, some of the challenge with leaving your nine to five is the feeling like you're not going to make enough and you don't know where your money is going to come from and things like that. So there is a sort of preparation that goes into making that decision for you and for your family. So it's not just like, I'm leaving and I don't have a plan. That's That definitely wasn't the case. Yeah, like as much as we'd all love to do it and just head out that way. Gosh, it was probably about a three-year process of getting myself in the position to get to where I am and to know that it was going to be okay. So there's always the rule of thumb that you should have about three months in the bank for emergency funds. But when you are stepping out on your own, to be an entrepreneur, it's six six months to a year saved up to do that. And so it was years of work, lots of hours, a lot of hours, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. Like it is not a glamorous period of time, but it was 100% worth it. I know, Brittany, that you took on a lot of different jobs in the last year. <laughs> I want you to talk about many, many side hustles and you're an Enneagram 7. So Andrea and I are sitting here as Enneagram 3s and we're just happy to have you in our lives to add some spontaneity. (laughs) You took on a variety of jobs and lots of them. Tell me about that and how, you know, I think it's easy. I felt it too, that anytime an opportunity or a way to make money would cross my plate, I would want to say yes. So furniture flipping was my thing. For a while, because I'm like, well, I could just do this right now. And people keep giving me their furniture. I'll just keep flipping it and selling it. And that way I'll have money. And that just turned into another form of grinding and hustling that I'm still, you know, trying to unlearn. But tell me about that experience for you, because I think it can be easy to be feeling maybe a scarcity, especially around money and not knowing for sure where the next paycheck is coming. So tell me about that and how you were able to navigate that and maybe how you have clarity now in what you want to work with or in what you want to do based on taking on so many of those projects. So this might be something only all my sevens really relate to because I'll be honest, like I want to do everything once. And and sometimes it's truly only once. And that's okay. Like it's okay to to not continue with something. But when I left my nine to five, literally the doors that open, even prior to truly making the decision of leaving my nine to five, the doors that were just starting to open right up until that decision just made it so much easier. So yes, I have done a lot of different things since I've left. Most of them fall under like virtual assisting consulting work. It's not so much the work for me. It's the environment that I'm in and how I'm treated and how feeling valued, feeling appreciated, feeling like I am a contribution to the team, things like that. It's more of an overall feeling for me to whether or not I stay a part of something or 
simply it might end up falling out of alignment. The biggest thing that has happened since leaving my nine to five, I literally would never, I shouldn't say never because you never know. But anyways, I would never take a job at the pay that I left at. It's like you just truly learn your value. I don't know. Until you make the leap, it's just truly amazing how many doors will open because of that. And I just want to piggyback on that because... Well, first, I'm going to toot my own horn that these two (laughs) ladies here quit their nine to five because they are friends with me. And I hold that as like my biggest gold star ever. (laughs) So proud of them. I have told Candace and also Brittany, but I've been working on Candace to leave her nine to five since she knew she needed to leave, which was three years, as she said. And I told her with confidence that the doors will not open with your other opportunities until you close this one. There is a level of spiritual faith involved in these things. And every time I told that to her, she would nod in agreement. Like she she also knew it in her soul. Sometimes you don't know all of the answers and it takes just a crap load of bravery and stepping out and not doing it irresponsibly, but you definitely need to have some sort of safety net like Brittany was talking about with funds, but Sometimes you literally just need to step out. Andrea, tell us about what it felt like for you stepping away from the classroom, a consistent income. And at the time, the first business you left for was, I believe, your network marketing coaching business that was thriving. But tell me about some of the mindset pieces. I know you had ups and downs. And I know that first year out of the classroom, when you would think things would just explode, you actually made less that year in that business than you had the year before while you were doing it simultaneously. Tell me about some of that and the pieces that were going through your mind. I definitely thought everything was just going to flow in and I was going to be a millionaire that first year. And I actually think I had too much time on my hands. Uh, The beauty of network marketing is that it can fit into tiny pockets of time, which is what I was doing when I was teaching full time. And I would just fit it in here and there. And that was something that created a a consistency in an accountability of moving my business forward was in those tiny little pockets of time. And suddenly I had the entire day to just stare at the wall in my house by myself with my dog. And I would just spin my wheels and be like, well, what what do I do now? My whole identity was in this bell to bell system of my life being an educator. And now it's just so willy nilly. So I truly had to retrain my brain to have this self accountability to time management, which I'm still struggling with. I don't think any entrepreneur ever fully masters that because our brain never stops thinking of ideas. But that was a hard transition for me. I ended up adding businesses and I now have three more businesses on top of the income from Beachbody. But once I added those pieces in, my Beachbody business started thriving and I was able to match my teaching income eventually years out of the classroom. So that was probably the hardest mindset thing that I had to overcome. I know what you're saying because I think there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do. Like you said, especially in the teaching world, we're on a bell system. We have every minute of every day planned down to when can you pee? When can you eat your lunch? If you're a nurse, if you're other things like that. You know what I'm talking about. And being at home, getting to decide what you do each day, I do remember thinking like, I'm not doing enough. Like I can't sit down because otherwise I'm not productive enough. I'm not earning my keep in the house. I'm not worthy because I haven't been productive enough, even though I didn't even know what I was gunning for or what that was. So there's a lot of unlearning to do in that aspect and some different 
struggles for me within my transition out of the classroom, I think, was losing a piece of my identity. It's really easy to say, I'm a teacher, when someone asks you what your job is, what you're doing, when you're not anymore. That's all that you had been tied to, really, in the community, in life. It's a big deal when that gets just stripped away, being confident in saying, this is what I do now. Uh, And I know in that first year, I didn't have that confidence because I'm like, I don't know what I do now. Like, I really don't know. It was a lot of things. It was flipping furniture. It was my network marketing business. It was getting a life coaching degree, getting a mindset and meditation coaching degree, all these different things that were the next door and the next nudge that I I chose to follow. Andrew, I'm going to have you talk on this next because you're probably one of the best at following those nudges. It's that knowing and then knowing when it's time to follow it. And again, those doors and the clarity and knowing what I was going to do didn't come until I took the leap. So talk to me about when you know to take the leap and how you make those decisions. This is probably one of the most common questions I get from clients that book a call with me is, how do I know if this is just some wild and crazy idea that I need to give up on or if I need to actually follow it? And I think the best way to do that is to get quiet, get some alone time, and really think about in five years, if I don't take this nudge, am I going to regret that? And your gut is going to know because you do have some wild and crazy, just random one-off ideas. And if you think about them and you ask yourself that question, the answer is probably, eh, I don't know, take it or leave it. It doesn't really affect me knowing that I didn't try that thing. But If it is something you are meant to do, no matter how scary it is, your gut is going to tell you, you absolutely are going to regret not at least trying this. So that typically kind of draws the line in the sand for most people. Okay, we could chat all day, but I want to end with this last question. And I want to know what you wish someone listening to this who does have that nudge, that knowing that there's something else next, but because they can't see it yet, because they don't know what it is yet, they're they're staying stuck and they're just staying in the familiar. Like Brittany talked about earlier, that it was comfortable. So she just stayed. I just saw this on a TikTok, some speech. Our brains would stay in a comfortable hell, then choose the unknown of, you know, something better because that's just how they work. And the unknown is worse to our brain. It's scarier. It's, it's not safe, even though what you're living in right now, you know, is not aligned anymore. So what do you wish someone listening that has that feeling would know? First, buckle up. No, it's, it's, a, it's a wild ride. My first piece of advice would be if you continually have the nudge and you know you need to make, you, do, you need to do something, you need to act on it. You need to put a plan in place to start experiencing whatever your nudge is. So one of the biggest things for me was becoming a real estate agent. I wanted to be a real estate agent. I remember thinking about wanting to be a real estate agent from when I was like early 20s. When it started, I didn't really act on it a whole lot, but I I started real estate photography. I taught myself how to do real estate photography. Life happened and I got out of that. And then later on, I became a real estate virtual assistant. So a transaction coordinator. So I would help in the real estate office and work with agents and do the behind the scenes of all the things going on that way. And then eventually got my real estate license and things like that. So it's not just like all of a sudden went deep in and took took this big leap, but I continued to make a plan and dip my toe in to see what that would look like. So that would be my piece of advice is to start small maybe and to see where things take you. I would say the first thing you want to do after you do all of that 
that Brittany said is to surround yourself with incredible human beings that are going to cheer you on, not breed doubt in your mind, but actually encourage you to look into these things and give you honest feedback that is going to make you feel supported in feeling like you're not a crazy person because people closest to us want to keep us safe. So they're just going to fan that flame of non-belief in you. And reaching out and connecting with other entrepreneurs is just going to up-level everything for you. As well as your people that are around you, they will tend to put their fear out onto you. So that's also something you you quickly learn is the feedback they're giving essentially has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. And I would add to that and say, think about what are you afraid of with your leap if you have this knowing that it's time? What are you afraid of? Because for me, it was simple things like telling my boss, having the community find out that I was leaving teaching after 13 years, worried that people are going to think I'm going through a midlife crisis, things like that, where it was like, wow, these are actually very simple things. So to combat that fear, I took action and I wrote my leave request, dropped it off at my principal's desk. He saw me later that day and he was like, I had no idea. Good for you. And I'm like, wow, that wasn't as scary as it was. So getting quiet, you know what those things are. You know where the fear is coming and where the doubt is coming. But when you do take little baby steps and take action, even though there's that fear and you step through it, you realize that it wasn't that scary and it's going to make the next step easier and the next step easier. Okay. I do want you to go around and tell us where can we find you if we want to follow along on your journey and check you out. Easiest way to find me, Andrea, is on Instagram, which is andrea.hanson.82. And that's S-O-N, not S-E-N. And I am over on Instagram at the joyful pursuit and it's the period joyful period pursuit. Awesome. And you know where to find me. So I'll link all that in the show notes and to the listeners, have a better brave day. Hey, thanks for being here. I love being able to highlight entrepreneurial journeys because no two are the same. To grab my free sales page planner or to book a discovery call with me, head to the show notes. Finally, please leave a quick review so I can continue this work. See you next week.